0: saying soft gentle eyes is that what you're saying <laughs> slow dopey eyes <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're saying i look like i've been beat for 20 years
2: welcome to the four corners crime cast my name is jake my name is rory and
1: i'm your host katie and today we are talking about the turpin 13
2: And uh, where did you do your research for this one, Katie?
1: The book for this one was The Family Next Door by John Glatt, and then I also watched The Turpin 13 Family Secrets Exposed, which was an oxygen special.
2: And uh, where is this story taking place?
1: Um, It starts in West Virginia, then to Texas, and then ends in California.
0: So it's called the 13 because the family was 13 in total?
1: No, there's 13 kids.
0: 13 kids. 13 kids. So 15 people in total. Why don't you go ahead and uh,
2: start us off on this one, Kitty?
1: Our story begins when David Turpin first falls in love with 10-year-old Louise Robinette. Their families attended the same Pentecostal church, the Church of God, in Princeton, West Virginia. Both had grown up extremely religious. The Church of God believed that the Bible was the direct word of God himself, and they are known for speaking in tongues.
2: Trump is an intelligent human being. All lives matter. Is that speaking in I'm tongues? I'm calling the police. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, in tongues. <laughs> I thought that said in shitty human being. That's That's
0: actually not far off. It's pretty good, right? My cousin is a Pentecostal revival preacher. Are they the ones with the snakes? I've never seen snakes, but I've seen people go, and then they get pushed on the forehead and they fall over backwards. And there's like 30 of them at a time in the front of the church doing this. And he just flicks the Jesus into him, huh? Yeah. My mom was like, come get the Jesus flicked into you too. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. thank you. Go outside and pretend to smoke a cigarette.
1: David Allen Turpin was born to Jim and Betty Jean Turpin on October 17th, 1961. His grandfather was a well-known preacher in the Church of God named King Turpin, who married David's grandmother when she was 16, more than half his age.
0: Why'd they call him King because Turpin?
1: his first name was King
0: that was literally his name? His
1: literal name was King, Turpin.
0: Well, that's why he could marry someone half his age.
2: I don't think that excuses it, even if your name is uh, King. So, and he was high up in the, the church?
1: He was a preacher, yeah. They traveled around going to different churches, but...
2: Pushing on people's foreheads? It
1: was a small town, so they were just well-known.
2: And so it the story begins with David falling in love with a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. How does that come about? He just sees her one day and is like, ooh, how they, old is he?
1: Um, I think he was seven years older than her.
2: Oh, so he's only 17. Like, that's still fucking, I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, he's 17. <laughs> that's, uh, that's too, too It gross. makes
1: it worse, too, because they actually grew up together, so he held her when she was a baby.
2: Yuck. Uh, yuck. I think we're going to be saying that a lot in this episode. Yeah.
1: Louise Robinet's grandfather, John Taylor, was also well known in Princeton for being a decorated war vet, an outspoken American Legion lobbyist, and the owner of the first ever Shell gas station in Mercer County. Louise's mother, Phyllis Taylor, was molested her entire childhood by her grandfather, but was unable to speak up out of fear she would ruin the family name and business.
0: What was the family business?
1: The first ever Shell station in Mercer County.
0: Oh, that was it? I guess that was a big thing, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, Shell back then probably Pumped a lot of gas.
0: Oh, I mean, I guess you're right. It's a gas station. It's a big thing. Props to them. I, I think that that wasn't quite worth uh, keeping certain secrets.
1: He had all of the money. If they ruin the family name, they don't get money.
2: Uh, a lot of money motivated in that whole scenario there. I'm not sure if it's the correct motivation you should have.
1: Phyllis began dating Luis's soon-to-be father in 1967, and Luis was born exactly nine months after their marriage on May 24, 1968.
0: May 24th was my dog Saxon's birthday when I was a kid. He was like a Labrador. And he peed on my grandpa's leg one time when we were visiting him up in Mesa. And what else is in Mesa? Garcia's. His favorite restaurant. Saxon
2: had a favorite restaurant?
1: When Luis was around nine, her sister Elizabeth was born. Because of their mother's traumatic childhood, she was unable and uninterested in being a mother, so she left Elizabeth's care in Luis's hands. On top of this, their parents would fight almost constantly, and all of Elizabeth's early childhood memories involved Louise protecting her from her parents' screaming matches.
2: How do you protect someone from a screaming match? You just like sing over it, or oh, it's like hug de...
1: them, comfort hum, them,
2: comfort them. Okay, I, so she comforted her, comforted, comforted her during their fights, and not necessarily protected her from. Their I mean, fights. she
1: covered her ears and her eyes, okay. so she couldn't see her parents beating each other. Okay,
2: I guess the... Oh, those kind of fights. I thought these were just I mean, screaming they were matches. Like, they
1: were fights. I'm sure they got physical at some point or another.
2: Yeah. Back then, a lot of adults went fist to cuffs when they had an argument. So It's like when my
0: grandpa was trying to watch WWE and my mom would be like trying to cover my eyes and my ears. Like, Don't listen
2: to it. I thought that story was going to have a much darker tone to it. But yeah, just like that.
1: On top of the constant arguing, the family was also poor. To make sure the children were fed and clothed, Phyllis would drive them to their grandfather's home, who would molest them in exchange for money.
0: Fuck that guy.
1: Phyllis was well aware of what was happening, but continued to take them over to their grandfather's home anytime she needed cash. In an interview with Elizabeth, she recalled how her grandfather would slide money into her hand as he was molesting her. In 1982, their grandmother walked into the room and found their grandfather raping 14-year-old Louise. He was chased out of the house with a frying pan, and their grandmother filed for divorce.
2: She had a little bit of sense.
1: Yeah, but despite that, they were told, both the children were told to keep quiet, and the grandma never said anything.
2: Because of the family name? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, imagine getting brained with a frying pan. He should have gotten brained with a frying pan. It's like dinosaurs.
1: A year later, in 1983, 15-year-old Luis began dating 22-year-old David Turpin. Phyllis was aware of their relationship, but kept it hidden from Louise's father, who wouldn't have approved. When Louise was 12, she had told her grandmother she was going to marry David and have 12 children, and now she was telling her sister the same thing.
0: What causes you to want to have 12 children as a 12-year-old child? Being religious?
2: Yeah, the fruits of your bounty shall be the harvest of the land. That's nothing, but I like it. (laughs) Yeah, I just came up with it, but it sounded real religious.
1: David graduated Virginia Tech in 1984 with his degree in electrical engineering, and Louise began 10th grade. When David found a job with a defense contract, General Dynamics, he asked Louise to elope with him and move with him to Fort Worth, Texas. She agreed, and by mid-January, they had a plan. One day, Louise got onto the school bus as usual and attended her classes. By mid-morning, David was in the school's office wearing a hat and fake mustache, telling the employee he was Louise's father and she had an appointment. They allowed him to check her out of school for the day, and the two were gone.
0: He went in there with a pair of funny glasses on, and they fucking checked her out. What state was this in again?
1: West Virginia.
0: Oh, it makes sense. Okay. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When Louise didn't arrive home from school, her parents began calling around, trying to figure out where she was. When her father discovered she had been taken out of school by someone posing as him, he was furious. When he found out that Phyllis had encouraged the relationship, he was even angrier. A few days later, a cop found the couple in Fort Worth and made Louise call her parents. The tables turned, and Phyllis wanted to press charges for kidnapping, while her husband decided it was better to let them marry so their extramarital sex wouldn't go against his and his church's beliefs.
0: God doesn't care about the premarital sex once you're married?
1: No, because it's not premarital after you're married.
0: So why not just fuck until you get married and then all your sins are forgiven?
1: They hadn't had sex yet. I mean, they were waiting till they... That's fun. why he said, go ahead and get married, and that way they don't have premarital sex.
0: They already had. They lied to him. You know that? I'm guessing they were they were off eloping. Who, who elopes and doesn't belope?
1: Religious people. Yeah. No. That don't believe in extra premarital sex. He gave written permission for the marriage, and David and Louise drove back to Princeton to be married on February 11th, 1985. They went back to Fort Worth, Texas, and began their lives together. David worked as a computer engineer on F-16s, a popular military jet, and made very good money. The couple would spend their weekends eating at high-end restaurants and going to rodeos and Wild West shows. They moved to Brea, California in 1987 for David's job, where the money continued to pour in. Louise would write home to her family in Princeton bragging about her new lifestyle, while Phyllis had turned to prostitution and was still frequently inviting her father over to molest her children for money.
0: Louise knew that they were completely broke and were still having the same issues from when she was a kid. Yeah. And everything was still going the same.
1: Yeah, but she wanted to brag because she had money now.
0: Why well, not just toss him a little money?
1: In the fall of that year, Louise learned that she was pregnant with her and David's first child, Jennifer Dawn. Jennifer Dawn was born July ninth, 1988, to the ecstatic couple. In 1990, David and Luis moved back to Fort Worth, Texas, for his work, which was soon acquired by Lockheed Martin. This meant his salary was now in the six-figure range, and their lifestyle became even more extravagant. Luis began inviting her family to visit and taking trips to Disneyland, which would soon become one of their favorite places.
0: Well, it's the happiest place on Earth.
1: Their second child, Joshua David, was born February 3, 1992. Not long after his birth, their high-class lifestyle caught up with them, and their credit cards were completely maxed out, and Louise had discovered a love for gambling. They secretly filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which essentially erased all of their debt and allowed them to start fresh. Their third child, Jessica Louise, was born on November 3rd, 1993. Fifteen months later, now eight-year-old Jennifer began first grade. From the first day, she was constantly bullied for her hygiene. She wore the same shirt every day, and her hair was never brushed. She had to use foil candy wrappers to tie her hair back. She had no friends, but no one thought her poor hygiene was reason to check into her home life.
0: Why did they not? Because they had a lot of money, so why were they not taking care of her and like putting new clothes on her?
2: Because they didn't want to
1: spend the money on her. Oh. They wanted to spend it on their gambling and their expensive food and their trips to Disneyland.
0: Take your kids to Disneyland in dirty clothes?
1: No, they would buy them outfits for that, and then they would...
2: Take them away and give them back their dirty clothes.
1: The Turban's fourth child was born December 17th, 1995 and named Jonathan Wayne. By now, Jennifer was eight, Joshua three, and Jessica two.
2: I'm noticing a pattern.
1: Is it the J's?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. That's the pattern.
1: I figured. They did that on purpose. Three years later in 1996, Elizabeth, Louise's sister, moved into their home. She noticed that David and Luis had strict rules for the children, they had to ask permission to go to the restroom to eat, and neither parent displayed any affection to the children. During mealtimes, Luis would call the children down one at a time. She always was the hardest on Jennifer, who had to look Luis in the eye and smile, and then wait for the smile to be returned before she was allowed to eat.
0: That's fucked up. That's how I feed my dog. That's how Bruce has to, like, sit and wait for his dinner before I put it on the ground.
2: And so would she just stand there if Luis didn't smile? Basically. Oh, that's crazy.
1: Their children were rarely let out of their rooms and were only allowed to interact with Elizabeth if Louise was present. They were required to call them mother and father as it was more biblical. I also noticed that David and Louise both had extremely short tempers and would fly into a rage if the other did something they did not like. Luis wasn't allowed to do anything with Elizabeth without him present. As their set of rules grew, Elizabeth noticed that Luis would be the one to decide if the child should be punished, and David would carry the punishment out.
0: What triggers someone's brain to just start treating their kids like worse than a pet goldfish?
1: Usually, people that are are abused as children grow up to be abusers.
0: Ah, so it's a pattern thing.
1: More than likely it had to do with that. I mean, she never like flat out said this is why I treated my children like shit, but...
0: She never even admitted that she treated her children like shit, did she?
1: No. No, but it was more than likely because she had no sense of control in her own childhood and this was her way of feeling that her children were being taken care of appropriately because she didn't know what that really meant.
0: So she like seriously thought that she was doing right by them?
1: She didn't think she was doing anything wrong, no.
0: That's fucking crazy. She has
1: no people to look up to on how to treat children, so this is her saying, well, the kid's alive, so it's fine, right?
0: Like eight years later, Dr. Phil would have been on TV, and he could have told her all this shit.
1: Eventually, the children weren't the only ones who had strict rules to follow. Louise had to drive Elizabeth to and from work, and she was not allowed to have any friends use their phone or tell anyone where they lived. David and Luis also began extremely inappropriate behavior, picking the bathroom lock while Elizabeth was showering and standing in the bathroom to watch. They would laugh at her embarrassment while she dried herself off and got dressed.
0: Wouldn't that be weird to be standing there with your wife laughing at her sister in the shower? Like.
1: By the end of the summer, Luis discovered that Elizabeth had made a friend at work and would eat lunch with them. One day, Luis dropped her off and never came back to pick her up. Elizabeth had to sleep outside for three days before she finally got a hold of Louise and threatened to call the police if she wasn't allowed to come into the home and get her things before she went back home. On May 21st, 1997, their fifth child, Joy Donna, was born. Three months later, Jennifer began second grade with even worse hygiene than she'd had the year before. Louise's youngest sister, Teresa, had visited the month before and later recalled a row of two to 300 dollars dresses hanging in Jennifer's closet, never worn. Jennifer was also extremely hyperactive and began acting inappropriately in the classroom, touching her private area and saying things that may have indicated sexual abuse. Once again, no one thought to contact authorities to check into her home life.
2: Now, is this just something that's kind of indicative of the time? Where uh, they didn't really know what to look out for for childhood abuse? Or is this just a willful ignorance thing where it's kind of like, well, what happens at home stays at home?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's the late 90s. I think we knew enough a decent amount about sexual abuse. It's not like it was this year that we started figuring it out. So, okay. On June 15th, 1998, Julianne Phyllis, the Turpin's sixth child, was born. By Christmas, they were once again in serious financial trouble. Despite still making six figures at Lockheed Martin, Louise was gambling and losing often. They maxed out their credit cards on Christmas presents, then filed again for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Their house was also foreclosed on in the spring of 1999 because they were so far behind on mortgage payments. Jennifer was pulled from school and would never return. David decided to begin homeschooling them instead. When the new owners entered the Turpin's foreclosed home for the first time, they were shocked. The floors were caked in black grime, the smell was almost impossible to bear, and the walls were covered in dark stains, which appeared to be feces.
2: Human feces? Yes. Gross.
0: I've never heard of anybody, like, choosing to live like this when they have resources to live otherwise. It's just weird.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. On July 27th, 1999, Louise gave birth to Janetta Betty. Janetta? Yes.
0: So they they were running out of good J names at this point?
1: I think so, yeah. At this point, Jennifer was 11, Josh 7, Jessica 5, Joy 2, and Julianne 14 months. A few days after Janetta's birth, the family moved to a rural house on 36 acres in Rio Vista, Texas, a small town with a population of 744.
0: I thought you were going to say a few days later they gave birth to the next kid.
1: <laughs> They're going that route though. When their neighbor Shelley came to introduce herself, she knocked on the door and could hear a baby crying, but no one ever answered. When Shelley's children saw Jennifer, Joshua, and Jessica playing outside, they approached and asked their names. They were told they would have to play. They were told they would have to pay close attention and figure their names out themselves. One of the children actually went inside the turpin home twice, both times seeing animal cages and newspaper covered in animal feces all over the floor. Dogs, cats, and goats were living inside the house. The next time she went to play, Louise answered the door and told her the children weren't allowed to play anymore because her mother, Shelley, had been asking too many questions.
2: I wonder if one of those questions was, why the fuck do they have a goat inside? For real.
1: She literally just asked their names. And they said the same thing. You have to pay close attention and maybe you'll figure out what they are.
2: We'll give you a hint.
0: They all start with J. (coughs) For real though, a pot pig is okay in the house, but a goat?
1: I would disagree, but okay. (coughs) The physical abuse began at the Rio Vista home. It began with slapping, hitting, and throwing the children across the room. Then David and Luis began to use the metal buckle of a belt. When that didn't seem to be working as severely as they wanted, they moved to a wooden oar, using it to hit their lower backs, buttocks, and backs of their thighs as they laid on the bed. When that still wasn't as severe as they wanted, David and Louise fashioned a switch using a metal tent pole with fiberglass and metal tips on the end. The children were apparently forced to follow the strict tenets of the Pentecostal church, which David and Louise changed to their liking. None of the children were allowed to shower or bathe more than once a year and would be beaten or spanked if they washed their hands. None of the children were allowed to shower or bathe more than once a year and would be beaten or spanked if they washed their hands above the wrist as anything more would be considered playing in the water.
0: So was it against their religion to bathe often? No. That was just them being controlling?
1: Yes, 100%.
0: It's interesting the tent pole, with fiberglass and metal tips on it. Uh, that's pretty similar to Bible times. They had a thing called a cat of nine tails, which is what they beat people with, and what they beat Jesus with.
2: Yeah, but I thought the cat of nine tails had uh, barbs on it and was also multi-ended. Like yeah, a, it was a whip that had multiple more of strands lash, on the yeah. end,
0: and then it had, but it had pieces of metal in it. Yeah. Like, well, whatever they had. I, I saw
2: when it ripped the skin off the dude in The Passion. Yeah, I didn't watch The Passion of the Christ. Good, and it was a fucking snuff film for an hour and a half. Continue.
1: David began homeschooling the children at the Rio Vista home as well, setting up eight desks in the living room.
2: Well, that's healthy. Is that him?
1: Yeah, that was him on that mattress. <clears throat> They had to memorize scriptures from the Bible, and some of the older children memorized the entire book. None of the children were ever taught the entire alphabet and weren't taught anything past the first grade. The one thing they were allowed to do was keep journals, and over the years they would accumulate hundreds that detailed every day of each child's life. In November of 2000, their eighth child, Jordan, was born. By this time, David grew interested in farming and began keeping cows, chickens, goats, and three pigs.
0: Now he's on to something.
1: None of the animals were ever fed enough, which caused the pigs to constantly break out and terrorize the neighborhood. Along with this, the Turpins had a large dumpster dropped off in their front yard, but never had the trash picked up the entire time they lived in the home. Eventually, they also moved on to just using an old truck that didn't run anymore as a dumpster.
0: Fill it up. Call Jump for
2: Jesus when you're done. Man.
1: They didn't call anyone ever.
2: They basically made their house into a landfill. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Oof. It gets even better though because once they got done
2: with that house, they're just like, "Fuck it." So when you say pigs terrorize the neighborhood, you just got out. And we're all cute little piggies running around the neighborhood. No, these
1: were like three hundred pound.
2: Hogs. Oh, hogs. them's hogs. So they're out eating that people's shit and fucking
1: starving, like yeah, breaking
2: stuff in their front yard.
1: Once the neighbors' children were told to stop coming over, the turpents completely locked down their children. They were only allowed to be awake at night and were locked in their rooms almost twenty-four-seven. They were only allowed to leave their room to use the bathroom and during their one mealtime a day, when they were fed either a peanut butter sandwich, jalapeno bologna sandwich, or frozen burrito,
2: which is actually what Rory lives on on a pretty regular basis. I do not eat bologna and jalapenos.
1: Oh no, it was like the bologna with the jalapenos in it. Yeah,
0: with it, you don't
2: get. You I don't didn't get it on top. I didn't know you could get. Jalapeno bologna, that's disgusting. Yeah. Dude, it's high class, not
0: disgusting, okay? If you get the one with the jalapeno in it, you're living high on the hog.
1: The children came close to escape in that summer of 2001 when four-year-old Joy was bitten in the face by the family's dog. David didn't call 911 until the next day, but Joy was taken to the emergency room for stitches. The event was reported to police, but no officer was ever sent to the property to investigate they had been the children may have led very different lives david and Luis were able to put on a front of a happy healthy family when david's parents spent christmas in rio vista neither reported seeing anything concerning during their stay
0: so did they literally not let them in their house
1: <laughs> no i think they cleaned up for this one time a year that maybe someone came over
0: ah they're like ah it's december 1st time to start cleaning up can we put up christmas direction, christmas decorations no
1: Police became involved in the Turpin family again in early 2003 when one of the starved pigs broke onto the neighbor's property and ate a 50-pound bag of dog food. An officer arrived and spoke to David outside, who promised to replace the food, and the matter was dropped.
2: No animal welfare police in this part of Texas.
1: In the town with a population of 744? no, ah, The ASPCA did not make calls.
2: I see.
0: You'd think in a town that small, there might have been more animals than people, and so the animals would be the ma- the majority to get better treatment.
1: A few months later, the Turpin's 10th child, Joanna, was born. Family reported that they were still very well off and seemed like nothing was wrong. By Christmas, David and Louise bought the children brand new bicycles, which they left the price tags on and lined up under the carport. They sat there for years, rotting away, the children never allowed to touch them.
0: Just to be controlling.
1: Basically, to make it look like they had money to the outside world.
0: Literally, just hard for me to wrap my brain around.
1: In May 2004, the house was so disgusting that the Turpins purchased a brand new mobile home and parked it next to the house. Luis, David, and their 10 children all moved into it. Not long after the move, Luis had their 11th child, Jolinda. Two years later, their 12th child, Julissa, was born. Now there were 14 people living inside the mobile home.
0: And now they were officially out of names, right? Jalinda, Jalissa.
1: They had one more.
0: <laughs> Did it get a better name, I hope.
2: How do you fit 14 people in an RV?
1: Um, They made it work for a while, and then David and Luis just left. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: You just stuff your kids into the RV and say, adios!
1: Not long after they had moved into the mobile home, David built a cage to keep the children locked in when they misbehaved. Made out of metal, the cage was seven feet wide by five feet tall with a divider in the middle so two children could be kept inside at a time. A five-inch gap at the bottom allowed food to be pushed inside. The children were padlocked in the cage for days at a time, but eventually Jonathan was able to figure out how to escape. To combat this, David bought a three-foot-by-three-foot metal dog kennel. Joshua, who was 16 at the time, would later tell police that he was locked in the kennel for a full day after Louise caught him watching Star Wars.
2: Because she didn't like Star Wars. She was afraid he'd go to the dark side.
1: I think she just wanted to control him. Okay. Eventually, David and Luis moved out of the mobile home to Benbrook, Texas, taking Julissa and Jalinda with them. Jennifer and Joshua, the two oldest children, were left to care for the other eight for four years.
0: Who's watching these kids? Ah, the fat one's watching the little one.
1: Every few days, David would drop off food, but Louise never visited them. The mobile home quickly became filled with garbage and animal feces, but David and Louise still had full control over their children, not allowing them to wash their hands past their wrists or bathe more than once a year.
0: These days, all you have to do is wash your hands to the wrists. A lot. Just do it a lot. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Over the phone, Joshua was told to take care of the younger children's diapers, and Jennifer was ordered to make the meals. They were required to lock their siblings in the cage if they were to break their parents' rules.
2: So they had, like, Zoom meetings. No.
1: No, they spoke on the phone.
2: So how how did they actually get them to continue doing this? By telling them Fear. they needed to do it, and Fear. they were too afraid that if they showed up, they wouldn't?
1: Basically, yeah. They were scared shitless of their parents.
2: That's crazy.
0: Isn't that kind of like uh, Stockholm Syndrome, kind of, where you just, like... Or, or there's a syndrome, right, where you just, like... Even though you could escape, the the risk is too big in your head, so you don't ever actually go for it. I feel like that. I'm pretty sure that's a thing.
1: Stockholm Syndrome called. is...
2: When you start identifying with your captors.
1: Basically. These people, the children knew nothing else, so they had no way to know that if they were to escape, that it would get any better. In or, their minds, every parent treated their children this way.
2: Yeah, this is normalized to the point where this is how kids live.
1: After three years, the abuse Jennifer and Joshua were receiving and doling out became too much and both tried to escape. Jennifer did make it out, running until the neighbor picked her up. Jennifer wouldn't give her name, only asked how she could get a job, car, and an apartment. The neighbor drove her into town where she tried getting a job, but without a driver's license or any form of ID, she was unsuccessful. Eventually, she gave up and called Luis, who came and picked her up and took her back to the mobile home.
0: Was she punished for running away?
1: I imagine so. I don't know why she wouldn't be. Right. Louise celebrated her 40th birthday on May 24th, 2008. Her and David began looking into new religions, such as snake handling and witchcraft. They began drinking for the first time in both their lives and tried an open marriage, going to Las Vegas to gamble in Alabama to cuckold David with a man Louise met on the internet.
2: So weird.
1: Midlife crisis. Yeah, I guess.
0: Let's try the old Alabama cuckold.
1: Louise also became obsessed with snakes, attending a snake-handling church and the annual Rattlesnake Roundup in Sweetwater, Texas. Her and David were living an extremely lavish lifestyle, spending money on expensive toys they would never allow the children to unpackage and play with, on top of their frequent Vegas trips to gamble. Louise even bought her sister Elizabeth a house when she found herself with a newborn and a cheating husband.
0: That was nice of her, at least.
1: This all came to an abrupt end when David lost his job at Lockheed Martin in 2010. Despite this, David purchased a $22,000 Mustang.
2: A practical car for 15 kids. Yep. Probably a V6 for that price.
1: On April 5th, a sheriff's deputy arrived at the Turpin home and served them with foreclosure papers. David and Louise were finally forced to return to the Rio Vista home and collect their children and belongings. They packed everything into their van and left, leaving all of their animals behind. Shelly and her daughter grew curious after the Turpins left and went to the mobile home to look around. They discovered all of the carpet had been ripped out of the home, the dogs were surviving by eating the used diapers strewn about the home, and the smell was unbearable, especially in the children's bedroom. Bunk beds had been set up like military barracks, but none of the beds had mattresses. Some of the headboards had ropes tied to them, which at the time seemed to Shelley like the children had done it. Every door in the house, including the fridge, was padlocked shut. Inside the actual home, used diapers were stacked waist-high, and the floor was covered in garbage and unopened toys. There was also multiple animal corpses in the home.
0: Jesus, that's disgusting. What happened to the dogs, or all the animals? I should say. Did someone take them?
1: I don't know. The book.
2: The book was focused mostly on the children that were being abused. Animals are secondary to that, I believe.
1: On June fourth, two thousand ten, the Turpins moved to Marietta, California. Here, David filed the Department of Education's private school affidavit, listing himself as the principal of his home school. Luis taught the children for a few days and lost interest. Because there were eight children attending the school, the fire marshal was supposed to come annually to inspect the property and never once came to the home over the next seven years.
2: Some things just sort of slipped through the cracks, I guess. Can you... Is this how he was getting
0: his money? Like, was, was he being paid to be the principal?
1: No, everything was on credit.
0: Oh, you okay. You don't get
1: paid as... You, he would have to be paying himself.
0: Well, that's what I was saying. I, like...
1: Everything was on credit. They didn't have money. He didn't have a job. They had a well at their Rio Vista home that paid them, like, 500 a month. But eventually they found out that property was foreclosed on, and so that stopped. All right. In California, the children's treatment turned from punishment to torture. They would be confined to their rooms almost every hour of every day, except those who had misbehaved, who were tied to their beds with ropes. To create resentment between the children themselves, the older kids were treated far better, given gifts like cameras and cell phones. Now that Louise was back in the children's lives, she became the one that handed down punishments rather than David. The children were terrified of her, and she was constantly angry. She only allowed them out of their rooms to eat or to use the restroom and to brush their teeth. They spent 20 hours a day locked in their rooms, waking at 11 p.m. and going back to sleep at 3 a.m. They were never allowed to watch television or listen to the radio, keeping them completely isolated from the outside world.
0: So they were literally just kept like prisoners, locked away, didn't have anything to entertain themselves, really. Yeah. Were they, like, did they share rooms? Did they all have their own room? Did they at least get locked with each other?
1: There was, I think, like three to four. They had, I think, three bedrooms in them. They were spread out between those. And then this tiny baby lived with Louise.
0: That makes sense. It's not like you can just find a 12-bedroom house.
1: At one point, some of the teenage girls began stealing their mother's makeup to experiment. As punishment, David decided to chain up all 12 of the children.
0: Ooh, what's QAnon's catchphrase?
2: Where we go one, we go all. That's what they were doing here. No, I believe this is actually a tactic, even the army uses it, where if one of them fucks up, they punish all of them because that way it makes the cycle kind of self-regulating where they kind of keep each other from fucking up under the threat of punishment, right?
1: Basically, yeah. Okay. Luis began to label the children she believed were stealing as suspects who then received the worst punishments. Jonathan was always a suspect and seemed to be punished far more often than the others. He was first hogtied, but he was able to chew through the ropes and get free. They then switched to chains and padlocks on the headboard of his bed. When he slipped out of those, they got heavier chains. Jonathan would spend weeks at a time being chained up, which eventually caused permanent spinal damage.
0: That's crazy, just from not being able to move for so long at a time, or move freely?
1: Yeah, I mean, he couldn't even stand up. He was literally chained down to his bed.
2: Yeah, I remember I got really sick one time, and I stayed on the couch for like 10 days, and I had sores just all over from not moving. I can't imagine someone literally being chained and stuck there because even I got to get up and move every once in a while.
1: Yeah, he wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom. That's
2: crazy. Oh, so then you're also rolling around in that. That
0: means mm-hmm. double the sores probably. An infection. Jesus fuck.
1: In July of twenty eleven, one of David's brothers In July of twenty eleven, one of David's brothers and his family visited the Turpins in California. They took a trip to Disneyland, but the family never noticed anything strange with the children or their treatment. One week after their trip, the Turpins filed again for chapter seven bankruptcy. They owed almost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on multiple lines of credit.
0: This was their second bankruptcy? So this is their third. This is their third bankruptcy.
2: I thought that followed you around for like seven years.
0: I think they actually did make a, a lot of changes on it because so many people in the 90s were actually doing this They just issue. like, oh, just file bankruptcy. We can yeah. be right back
2: where we were. Okay. Because
0: it seems like they did pretty much go right back. Oh, this, actually, this isn't the 90s anymore, but they did pretty much seem to go right back to uh, just racking up credit again. I see.
1: By October, the slate was wiped clean, and David and Luis went to Vegas to renew their wedding vows at a Elvis chapel. That Christmas, David's parents flew to California and once again noticed nothing strange going on in the family. Reporting the children seemed healthy and well-adjusted.
2: I was going to say their standards of healthy and well-adjusted are a little skewed. Cause didn't he marry a woman half of his age? Basically. Hmm. Well,
0: yeah, you'd have to have like skewed worldviews to see like there's no way these children acted like quote unquote normal. It would be more like. It would be more like if you're going through Disneyland and you see a group of like Amish people or something.
2: Well, I think they may have been like, maybe they were West Virginia nor- normal. And the parents were just like, oh, okay. That's how kids act.
0: In
1: 2013, David and Luis returned to Vegas to renew their vows again, this time bringing all of their children with them.
0: How They're... many times do you review, renew your vows?
2: It only counts if you do it five times in front of Elvis. Oh, Elvis is Vegas Jesus.
1: And the chapel was named a Elvis Chapel. I don't what want would anyone be
2: in
0: Elvis Chapel.
1: I don't know. It really bothers me though.
0: A instead of N? Yes. A, a Elvis Chapel. Let's go down to A Elvis Chapel. What if it was like AA storage? It's like
2: A Elvis Chapel, B Elvis Chapel, C Elvis Chapel. Yeah, and if you
0: get married at the B Elvis Chapel, God doesn't recognize it. And
2: it's only for renewing your vows a second time.
1: Their Elvis impersonator noticed nothing wrong with the children and noted they all seemed to have a wonderful time laughing and dancing with him. Later that year, on Thanksgiving Day, Jordan was called upstairs by her father. When she approached, he pulled her pants down, which she quickly pulled back up. He pulled them down again and pulled her onto his lap, but before anything else could happen, Louise came into the room. Over the next few years, Jordan would also report that David would, what she described as force kisses on her mouth.
2: Yuck, dude. And this guy, he honestly looks like a walking penis head.
1: He looks like he should be in Dumb and Dumber.
2: He does. um, Also, the Adams family. He's not a good-looking guy. He has a terrible haircut, too.
1: a stupid fucking idiot. Yeah. Shithead man. In May of 2015, the Turpins brought a new home in Paris, California. Their Marietta home was left in similar condition to their trailer and house in Rio Vista. David had gotten a new job with Northrop Grumman and worked very long hours leaving the children in the hands of louise who was angrier and more abusive than ever before she encouraged her favorite children to spy on the others by giving them gifts then severely punishing those snitched on by tightly chaining them up slapping them or throwing them around the room by their hair or neck they were still confined to the rooms at all hours of the day having to ask permission to use the bathroom or eat their one meal a day was now a strictly followed ritual jennifer would prepare the meal then call each sibling down one at a time They would eat standing at the kitchen counter and were only allowed to drink water out of the faucet. Once one of the children was done eating, Jennifer would ask permission to call the next one down. To torture them even more, David and Louise would eat fast food and take out for every meal and would buy pies that they would leave on the counter to rot before finally throwing them away. Not long after moving to Paris, Louise discovered she was pregnant. Jana was born in early 2015.
2: God damn, that's gotta be like, they probably just walked out at that point. Like uh, I mean after fifteen fucking kids you're just thirteen. Well it doesn't matter. After after, after nine. I mean eight? after probably three kids you're just like
1: Yeah, they were also obsessed with um what was it, John and Kate plus eight? I think was the big one in the early two thousands. Yeah, and then remember there was the one. Duggards, which was like
2: I think it's yeah
1: thirteen kids and counting or whatever. So basically they wanted their own TV show like David that.
0: David
2: and Louise plus 13.
0: Yeah. I just think it's so crazy because now they've taken it from just being controlling to just being fucking assholes. Like, we're going to eat good stuff in front of you. We're going to leave shit on the counter that you can't have. Like, you're not just being controlling. You're just being a fucking asshole.
2: Well, that's I mean, it's one of the ways you also keep control. Like, it's not a not thought out thing they didn't just do it to be assholes they did it to show that they were in charge that they were number one that they did what they wanted and it didn't matter what the kids wanted because the way they saw their lives going were how it was going to go
0: i mean yeah i just feel like they controlled them controlled them controlled them and then right here they're like you want to just you want to eat mcdonald's every day while the kids have gruel Like, yeah.
1: I mean, they've been beating their children and slapping them and locking them in cages for longer.
0: I swear to God, I I would rather be beat than have delicious foods wafted in front of me while I'm starving. I'm serious. I'd be so hungry.
1: Despite the children never being homeschooled, Louise enrolled 22-year-old Joshua in community college. Every day, she would drive him to school, then walk him across campus to his room where she waited outside in the hall until his class was over. One day, Joshua made a friend and asked his mother if he was allowed to be friends with his classmate. He was never allowed to return. Their torture continued, with Louise growing increasingly violent every day. Jonathan was chained up for weeks at a time. The children constantly broke out in lice from the filth. Their curtains were required to be closed 24-7 as to not allow neighbors to see what was going on inside. During Christmas of 2015, though, they were all unchained and received what they called good treatment for about a week, where they received gifts and ate better. Once Luis decided the good treatment was over, they went back to their rooms and being chained
0: up. See, that's even more weird. That's even more weird. You're like, this time, just for this week, we love you guys.
2: No, it's it's also uh, indicative of controlling personalities and things like that where you show them the carrot and then send them back to where they were so that they have a thought in their head that this is motivation for you. If you're good, we treat you good. If you're not, this is what happens. Or it doesn't even have to be that. It's just, this is what life could be if you were doing what we asked you to.
0: Do you think they are also trying to like, because obviously, like, uh, you know, you post, you put up pictures, you take videos of the Christmas and stuff and people, other people see it and you interact with other people around Christmas. So they want, you know, they want the kids to be in the Christmas spirit. So no one seems, sees that it's kind of fucked up going on over there i don't know like it just seems like it's that time of year and they're like really trying to
2: hide what they do the rest of the year yeah it's just it's hard to say what motivates these people
1: at this point in time they had they had cut off all contact from their family so no one had seen the children in like seven or eight years at this point even over skype
2: so it's it's basically just them reminding them who's in control i guess i don't know it's real fucked up
1: i can give you the best time in the world or the absolute worst In early 2016, Jennifer secretly lent Jordan her cell phone. While watching a Justin Bieber video, Louise caught Jordan and grabbed her by the throat, choking her and yelling, Do you want to die? Yes, you do. You want to die and go to hell. After the incident, Jordan snuck out of the home in an attempt to get help. When she saw her mother's car approaching, she rushed back inside. On May 14, 2017, Mother's Day, Louise gave all of the children their first baths in a year and dressed them in clean clothes after she had taken pictures of the children for her facebook they were forced to change back into their soiled clothing they had been wearing for the last year
2: all for appearances right
1: yeah so she could have a picture and say look i still have them they're still alive
0: i still love my kids yeah which she she probably did that at christmas too like she's like oh look these these kids love their lives and they didn't know any better
1: in December of 2017, Joshua gave Jordan his old cell phone, and she quickly figured out how to use social media. She began posting videos of her singing to YouTube and made an online friend, later causing people to question why she didn't use the phone to call for help.
0: Which is what we were talking about earlier. They they had no clue that this was abnormal, really.
2: They were living the life that they knew, and it never occurred to her that this is one of the reasons why I should call 911, because no one has ever told them the reasons to call 911 like they were they were bible schooled they weren't even homeschooled they didn't learn anything of how to survive in the real world and when you're handed a cell phone and you kind of figure out oh social media I can do this or YouTube I can do this I like to sing you don't really get a real view of what the outside world is like you just get your bubble expanded by a little bit
1: yeah, cause learning when to call nine one one and what a police officer is is something that happens when you're like, what four or five?
2: Yeah, no, in in kindergarten. Yeah, so like, that's one of the ways they indoctrinate you into calling the police. Well, they only taught their kids the first
0: like three quarters of the book of Exodus. They never got to the part where the Jews escape Egypt, so they never knew that that's how it ends. You have to escape. That was a deep cut.
1: Right before Christmas, David's job informed him he would be transferred to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma sometime in early 2018. On January 14, 2018, Jordan and her sister, Jolinda, squeezed through the bedroom window and into the outside world. Jolinda became scared and turned back, but Jordan continued away from the house. At 5.51 a.m., she called 911, telling the dispatcher, Okay, I live in a family of 15 people, and my parents are abusive. They abuse us, and my two little sisters right now are chained up. They chain us up if we do things we're not supposed to.
0: Do you think that she figured this out from, like, her access to social media for the first time, and, like, she's, like, seeing stuff, and she's like... Because, you know, there's stuff on there about abuse and about... Basically, how did she figure out that they
2: were being abused when everybody else was still kind of oblivious to it. She probably looked up something like most comfortable bed chains or something like that. and uh
1: She did make one friend who lived in, I'm not sure what part of the world, but I'm sure at some point she was like, hey, so do your parents do this? And he was like, um, what the fuck? No, my parents don't do that. You need to get out of there. And so at some point, I don't know when, because we've never heard from these children. We don't even know what they look like, really. So at Honestly, some point, I, I
2: think that's a good thing, though.
1: Yeah, no, it is. But at some point she figured out what 911 is and what CPS is. But when the 911, when she was talking to 911, she didn't know what medication was. She didn't know what a police officer was. So she was still very blind to basically everything she was doing. When deputies arrived and found Jordan, they thought the 17 year old was 10 because she was so malnourished. When deputies arrived at the Turpin home and knocked, Louise ordered her children to enchain the two girls. When officers entered the home, they found Jonathan still chained to his bed. David and Louise were both handcuffed and taken out of the home. Louise was smiling and seemed not to understand why the police were there. Paramedics and the fire department took the children out of the home and to the police station, where they were later transferred to two different hospitals after giving their statements. Luis and David gave their statements and were taken to jail, where they were charged with nine counts of torture and ten counts of child endangerment each, with their bonds set at $9 million. Within hours of arriving at their respective hospitals, all of the Turpin children were gifted new clothes by hospital staff. The adults were so malnourished, they had to wear children's clothing. The adults at the Corona Medical Center were placed on their own private wing and cared for around the clock. 29-year-old Jennifer was five three and weighed only 80 pounds. She had severe protein-caloric malnutrition, as did all the other children except Jana, the youngest.
0: Was that just literally because she was the youngest, her body hadn't had enough time to be that malnourished?
1: No, she was treated better. Louise oh. liked them when they were tiny babies, but then kind of...
0: Oh, when they were cute, she liked them, and then... Okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. Joshua was 5'8 and only 115 pounds and had a severe vitamin D deficiency, as did the others. 11-year-old Julissa had a mid upper arm circumference test performed, which determined her arms were the same size as a four-month-old baby's.
2: Jesus. Wow.
1: She was more than 15 pounds underweight and had a heart and liver damage. She also suffered from psychological dwarfism or stunted growth.
0: Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Is that like your body psychs you out into not growing?
1: No, it's you're so malnutri- You're so malnourished that you- psychologically can't develop. Your brain doesn't develop properly. Oh, your
0: brain doesn't develop. That that. So that's a... Okay, all right. I thought you meant like her brain can, got her body to not
2: grow.
1: No. After some time at the hospital, the adult turpins were bought their first pair of shoes. They cherished them so much that they slept in them, scared they would be taken away from them.
2: Can you imagine how fucking alien the world would be if all you know is just basically being tortured your entire life? Like.
1: That's what... There was one psychologist that talked in the book and on the documentary and she basically said imagine all of these disneyland trips and going to this elvis chapel like how fucking terrifying that has to be i mean, you only know the inside of your dirty disgusting house and being beat and then you're just tossed into the world and told to act like a normal kid
0: right it's super sad it it reminds me of uh that movie the count of monte cristo when he gets locked up for like 12 years and then he finally escapes and he's just like uh, I think the guy who finds him is, like, trying to give him bread or something. And he's, like, an animal. He's, like, hiding in the corner. And he's, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, that's but. what it is, but worse.
1: They adjusted really well. And they really, like, latched on to their nurses because they were being cared for for the first time.
2: Understandable. Ever. It's the first time they felt anything but. Hate. Hate. Yeah. Yeah. Those poor humans. Mm-hmm.
1: Four days after their arrest, District Attorney Michael Hestron announced he would be filing 75 felony charges against David and Louise, 12 counts each of torture, 12 counts of false imprisonment, 7 counts of cruelty to a dependent adult, 6 counts of willful child cruelty, and 1 charge of committing a lewd act by force or fear for David's attempted assault of Jordan. Their bail was set to $13 million, $1 million for each child.
2: Still real low.
0: Was that one count, or so they had 12 counts of torture, the one count was for the youngest baby, the one that, like...
1: They were, yeah, because she technically, they didn't have a way to charge them because she really wasn't tortured or as in much danger as the other children.
0: Sort of makes sense, but I think we could have just thrown it in there on principle.
1: At the hospitals, almost $200,000 had been raised for the 13 children. All 13 were given iPads to help with their education. A Chamber of Commerce member was even approached by a homeless man who gave him $2.38 and told him to tell the children that the world is watching and they love them.
2: It's real fucking shitty when someone who is absolutely down on their luck gives their last dollar because they feel pity for someone else. Like, rough shit. That's
0: literally a Jesus parable. Hmm.
1: A fundraiser brought even more donations, raising the total to over $400,000. Dang. On February 23rd, David and Luis were each charged with three additional counts of child abuse, and Luis an assault charge. On March 15th, the seven adult children were taken from their private hospital wing to an undisclosed home where they were to begin learning how to care for themselves. On May 4th, David was charged with eight counts of perjury for each year he filed a private school affidavit. He now faced 50 felonies. He and Luis had pled not guilty to all charges.
0: Fuck them. What did he get out of that private school affidavit? Was it like he got a tax break or he got a... It
2: allowed him to keep his children at home without anybody questioning it.
0: Oh. That fucker. Yeah, fuck him.
1: On February 22nd, 2019, David and Luis agreed to plead guilty to 14 felony counts each, including torture and child endangerment. On April 19th, 2019, after Jennifer and Joshua stepped into public for the first time to give their victim impact statements, David and Luis were sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. This is the most fucked up part, I think. So Luis addressed the court and says, I want them to know that mom and dad are going to be okay. I'm blessed to be the mother to each of them. I also want them to know I believe God has a special plan for them. I'm sorry for everything I've done to hurt my children. I love my children so much.
2: Now, is she actually just delusional at this point? Or is this something that she truly believes that she did her best in raising these kids?
1: Um, I, I think at this point she knows that she fucked up and she did terribly wrong and she's trying to cover for it and make it seem like she did it out of the goodness of her heart. But calling themselves mom and dad... When for the last 29 years they've been making them call you mother and father, you just try to come off more...
0: Human? Casual.
1: Yeah, basically. I don't know. She's a horrible woman. They did try to say she has a personality disorder, but...
2: Yeah, that doesn't just get to explain away anything bad you do. Exactly.
0: In her in her statement, she acknowledges that I've everything I've done to hurt my children. So I think she knows. Like like, even though she wants probably to try to convince herself that like it was for the best, I did it for the best. I think she knows. Like what she did was pretty much the shittiest thing that a human being could do.
2: She did have a rough upbringing that also doesn't excuse.
1: So uh, did her sister Elizabeth, and her sister Elizabeth has kids and. Uh, The last I know was trying to adopt two of the children.
2: Good. Well,
0: Elizabeth's the most, the only normal person in the whole story because she's the only one in the whole story who noticed that things were kind of off with the family. Maybe that's just because she lived with them, but either way, she's the only one who noticed.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there's really no one to blame but David and Louise here because there was no way anyone could have known. There was, I think, one or two neighbors in the Paris neighborhood that knew they had kids none of them knew they had 13 though because no one ever saw any of the children i think the most they saw was jennifer and joshua
2: so hopefully david's gonna die in prison right
1: hopefully they both will
2: yeah i was just thinking that louise was a little younger so she
1: she's not gonna get out there's no, no way you can't torture i no. really hope that david is having the worst fucking time of his entire life in prison With I mean... that stupid ass haircut and he <laughs> tortured children yeah no he's He's not having a good time.
2: I hope not. Is that going to do it this week, Katie? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. What a
0: sad story. But at least for once, we have a story where nobody died, I guess.
1: Yeah, the children are doing well now. They're learning how to be adults, and they still live, I think, in the undisclosed home, and they all have their each individual apartment, and they're going to college and getting degrees. So.
2: Good. I'm glad it kind of worked out. Lives. Yeah.
0: Best of luck to them.
2: As normal as you can be. That's probably got a lot of PTSD along with that. But Oh, no doubt. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R cornerscrimecast at gmail.com.
1: You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fourcornerscrimecast on Instagram at fourcornerscrimecast and on Twitter at fourcornerscrime.
2: And don't
0: forget to give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, check out our website, fourcornerscrimecast.com. You can head over there for a full episode list. If you guys want to send us an idea for an episode, uh, if you know of a case that you'd like to shed some light on, or to get your free sticker from our merch store, you can go over there, put it in your cart, enter the code BINGOBANGO at checkout, and we will ship that sticker out to you 100% for free. So as always, don't be a piece of shit this week. That's pretty much what it always comes down to, I think. And uh, we hope you guys have a good one. We'll see you next week. See ya. See ya. Adios, motherfuckers. Take me home. Take me home
2: to a place I belong, West Virginia, Virginia, where we marry young women.